clubhouse. I think it's so obvious that they're just trying to make you laugh. And they and they even like say this is not the right behavior during it. You know, someone's doing it. I mean, right, the guy right. is outraged that his baby got into drugs. Right. He's not he's not okay with it. Do you There's know what the I mean? for the episode. <laughs> Do you love Christmas? Do you love Christmas movies? Do you wish it was Christmas time year round? Well, do we have a podcast for you. Welcome to the 52 Weeks of Christmas podcast. Hallelujah! Whoa, 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 Clark. We're keeping this show family friendly. Where's the Tylenol? Welcome to week 15 of the 52 Weeks of Christmas podcast. This is Caroline. And this is Mike. This week we're talking about a very Harold and Kumar 3D Christmas. That 2011 wacky stoner comedy romp written by John Hurwitz and Hayden Schlossberg, who created the Harold and Kumar series. And it was directed by Todd Strauss Schlusen. This was his first time directing a Harold and Kumar movie. Caroline. Mike. This is, I don't know <laughs> that we've quite seen a movie like this one yet. Tell me about Harold and Kumar in general. Tell me about Harold and Kumar Christmas. Have, are, are you a fan what? of these movies? Wait, those are too many questions. Tell me one question. What's your uh, first question? Had you seen this movie before? <laughs> no, I hadn't. I really had only seen clips of it, and um, I hadn't really watched the entire thing. So I think I'm going to surprise you on this one, to be honest. So buckle up. Oh, that's funny because I was coming on here to tell you that I think I'm going to surprise you on this one. No. Yeah. I'm going to be the surprise. I'm going to be the surprise. Nope. I'm going to be the surprise. Y'all I'm are in not the bushes going, it. ha! It was the surprise. Nice ninja. Thank you. I'm wearing a mask, a balaclava <laughs> and everything because I, I social distance ninja. Well, so this movie is a little bit older, but not an old classic. This one was released on November 4th, 2011. So that was like kind of a little bit ago. I mean, most people People should have seen it. It's been a whole decade, Mike. That's yeah, hard to believe. It, it's been a whole decade. And it, though, the, I mean, there was a gap between this movie and the la- and the movie that came before it. The original Harold and Kumar came out in 2004. So there's been a bit, quite a bit of time. But, you know, Cal Penn, not working for Obama anymore, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Uh, let, let's go get into some new Harold and Kumar movies. Which brings me to my second question, which was originally my first question for you. <laughs> Too complicated. Carry the one, and then <laughs> exactly. the question is: I've been watching a great pottery throwdown, and they say maths, but they say it in a really serious voice. The announcer's like, "And now Carol is sitting down to do her maths." <laughs> yeah, she's pulling out her calculator. Oh, it's she's one of those graphics. Oh, she's making hello upside down with the numbers. <laughs> One seven oh seven three four. You are ridiculous. No, that wasn't no zero. What am I saying? Zero seven seven. I don't know. Four. I don't know. Your spelling's pretty poor. We shouldn't do maths. Yeah. 
I, I spelled <laughs> Helly. Well, that's fine. Uh, have you have you seen any of the Harold and Kumar movies before? Is there, are, are these in your ouvroir? So oddly, I know each guy individually, and I don't know them as a twosome, which is so silly because they are a fantastic twosome. How about you? Had you seen these movies before? I had seen actually just this past Christmas season. I had seen all but like the very first five minutes of this movie. It's rare for me to watch a new Christmas movie. I mean, prior to doing this podcast, I just kind of had the ones that I watched and the ones that I watched, and that was it. But I was flipping around, and I came upon this. It had just started. I was like, eh, I'll watch it. Not having seen the whole thing, I didn't really have a full drawn opinion on it. Turned out, I really only missed like the first five or six minutes of the movie. I actually had seen the whole thing as it turned out. But no, I had never seen White Castle. I had never seen Escape from Guantanamo Bay. I like these guys. I like John Cho. I like uh, Cal Penn. I like Cal Penn a lot from his house days. I was a big, big fan of him and house. Oh. Yeah, no, I like these guys individually, but I think they have fantastic chemistry. You add in Neil Patrick Harris. I mean, I will watch that oh man in gosh. everything he does. What, right? What's your feeling on MPH? Uh, love him. I think he's hysterical. He's just the consummate performer. He can do everything. Loved the entire singing, dancing performance. It was just so, 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 so good. Uh, whether he's playing heel and, you know, horn dog, or if he's playing a sweet guy, he really can do it all. He is so, so talented. He's the true definition of like the multi hyphenate star. The guy is like a quadruple threat. Uh, mm-hmm. So I really enjoyed him in this movie. Again, not un- not having seen the other two, I understand just from researching, this is, he's been in all of these movies. So he actually is is kind of the third star of these. He's the only one I believe that's appeared in all three movies along with Harold and Kumar. So and, and it's a trick because he's always playing a version of himself. You know, it's Neil Patrick Harris as air quotes, Neil Patrick Harris, which I love. I love when people can poke fun at themselves, you know, acting gay to the public so that he can be like a monster, you know, heterosexual behind closed doors is predator hysterical. I mean, it's not hysterical. It's hysterical the way he portrays it. <laughs> That's the thing about this entire movie. It is funny. It is not politically correct. It's not mannerly. It's not polite, but it's funny. But it's also not as gross out frat humor than Bad Santa. Mm. And and which I never really considered the differences between stoner humor and frat humor, but they're significant because I think these two movies really encapsulate the both of them. Where we when we talked about Bad Santa, we couldn't even do that without putting uh, an explicit warning on that episode and having a you know keep your kitties out of the room while listening to this podcast episode. We could talk about Harold and Kumar without having to bend down to those levels to talk about the film because there's a brain at work here there's actual really good writing and comedy at work here for as much as there is checklist comedy i think there's actually some really smart humor at play here too i do too what did you think about the 3d portions you have to bring yourself back also i think to 2011 well past avatar and the the 3d you know eruption of like the early 2000s but it's not 2021 either i mean this movie is 10 years old i thought it was really impressive i have in my notes in like big bold letters with asterisks this must have been wild to have seen in the movie theater <laughs> with glasses on uh, yeah. just because the amount that they do you know you go see most 3d movies like everyone went to see you know spy kids 3d 
you know, or, or something like that. You, maybe you got a 3D treat every couple of minutes, maybe every 10, 15 minutes, there was a big 3D thing. I felt like it was constant in this movie, almost from the word go. Yeah, it felt like a circus to me, like a Christmas themed circus, which was just so fun. Like in that same way when you're sitting watching the circus and then someone like shoots out the streamers at you and, you know, stuff comes down from the ceiling. The whole thing just seemed so much fun, which felt so different than Bad Santa to me. And I mean, they even explicitly then do the the streamer cannon. It's like the, yes. the money gun unnailed it, but it was, yes. you know, with like uh, confetti. <laughs> they did it 3D, but then they actually have at the end of the movie, you have Harold and Kumar and Danny Trejo sitting on the couch with their 3D glasses watching the extravaganza and the 3D experience there. It was very meta. And then you have at the beginning of the movie, you have Harold's co-worker who's like turns to the camera, breaks the fourth wall and is doing like a 3D like finger point thing. And Harold is like, who are you talking to? You know, yeah. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it so much. I, I thought it was really well done and I loved the amount of it. And it was creative. It was a lot of different things. Um, were, were there any particular 3D moments that stood out to you? Like, oh my God, I don't never, I don't ever need to see that again in 3D coming through my screen or more <laughs> well, of I that, I think please. I know what section you might be talking about. It might be that claymation nether regions portion. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that was a lot. That was a lot. Yeah, that was a lot. And unexpected when it happened, I was like, oh, my gosh, like that was really crazy. Unexpected. I mean, I think it all worked for me. Even I know it. you guys might be really surprised that you're like, Caroline, I thought maybe you wouldn't really be into this. I'll tell you the one joke that I could have done without. And there's only one. There's only one, Mike. It was the poop on the window I of the car. Mm -hmm. And it stayed there the whole time. And I hated that like it turned my stomach so hard and i did not want to every i literally i did that thing where you like put your hand over one eye so i like couldn't see the poop on the window <laughs> because it grossed me out so bad were any of the jokes like a total bomb for you so the poop on the window made me go you know it made my stomach flip a little bit i'll tell you it turned into comedy that i didn't mind because they left it there the rest of the movie because <laughs> right? because then it wasn't just like a gag to like be outrageous it was commitment to the bit and they did it they it started with the urine it escalated to the baby poop gross they left it there the entire movie i was like that's funny that's funny because at the end of the film it's still there caked on and like permanent loved it i liked loved that it. humor where they continued to layer the jokes they kept playing back to an original joke or like you know the baby let's talk about the baby you know baby ava so funny but like they kept going back from all the way from the beginning, all the way to the last section with her, there was like just continuous layering of the joke. If you just smoke weed with her in the car and then she has the giggles in the car, all right. I mean, that's a that's a cheap, easy joke for me. Uh, and and I, I laughed at it. I mean, I you know, and then he sings Wu-Tang Clan to, like, soothe her. I laughed at that whole bit. I thought it was funny. It became really good comedy to me when they continued to build on it. Yes, let's get her, like, hooked on coke where she's rubbing her gums. Let's take it next and she takes an ecstasy pill and she's, like, rubbing her face because it's, like, melting. I mean... <laughs> The more you did it, the when funnier she goes up you on got. the ceiling. Oh my god! Yeah, 
Coke baby so is hysterical. When she stands on the desk it. and she stares down yes. the the, bully, the Yugoslavian <laughs> gangster. gangster. It's just hysterical. I loved it. I love that they played it all the way to the last second, though. She's playing with the little light up, you know, like rave little like light up lights yeah. at the very last yeah. scene. And I'm like, good on them. The, the funniest thing, too, about her to me. And, you know, this might have been weird in another movie, but in this one, it totally worked. Sometimes she was like a six month old infant when he was like holding her in a blanket. And then other times she was like a toddler. She was like two. It was so funny and like just kept going back and forth. I don't know. It just cracked me up. Now, I'm a big fan of Thomas Lennon. I think he's actually a very underused, underappreciated comedic actor. He's a great improv guy. Uh, he's the one playing her dad. And he's fantastic in this movie. This is, like, I think his first Harold and Kumar entry. Uh, the one playing Harold's, like, new best friend, uh, Todd. And Todd is always Todd. a... Todd. <laughs> it's always a funny name in movies. Do you think that's a throw um, over to uh, Christmas Vacation? Todd. Maybe. I mean, there are so many Todds that have come up where that name gets said that way. There was a Todd... I don't know, though. That's pretty quintessential Christmas movie. Like, that is, I don't know, true. Todd. That's true. And this movie does pay homage to Christmas classics, right? You have the running A Christmas Story gag where Kumar is watching it over Vanessa's shoulder, and then you obviously have the penis coffee scene later on. Uh, and the tree you know. on top of the the, the like station wagon yes 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 yep i mean there's a lot in there it probably is that because i always think of i think of the magicians when i think of todd there was a todd in the magicians mm. and he was always used for being able to say his name like todd this is this movie has kind of an interesting development because like i said harold and kumar go to white castle comes out in 2004 then there's four years off and Harold and Kumar Escape from Guant- Guantanamo Bay comes out. What happens in 2008 that's of important news for our country? Um, I'm going to say that Obama became president. Obama does become president. And in April 2009, Cal Penn goes to work. He actually leaves house to go to work for the White House as the associate director of uh, in the Office of the Public Liaison. So he is like a White House like official. He, Him and John Cho, they had campaigned for Obama. They were big supporters. Obviously, people say, you know, it's only a year after Guantanamo Bay has come out. People are asking him, uh, are you guys going to make any more Howard Lee Kumar films? Does you, does you working in the White House now mean that those movies are done? Kalpen goes, yeah, that's probably true for now. Do you know <laughs> that's April 2009? Do you, do you have a guess of when they announced a very Harold and Kumar Christmas? Well, I know it comes out November 2011, so it's got to be in 2010 sometime. It was the very next month. May, uh. May, <laughs> May 7th, 2009, the studio announces a very Harold and Kumar Christmas is being made. That's funny. Originally supposed to be released December 5th, 2010. So it eventually ends up getting bumped back a year. He actually leaves his position at the White House to make this movie. And once filming was done and the road tour, the promotion tour was done, he actually went back to the White House. I think he finished out Obama's first term. I don't think he stayed on in the second. You have, uh, like I said, Hurwitz and Schlossberg, who created the series, they created the characters. They stay on to write the movie. Originally, they're supposed to direct this one. They directed, they had directed Guantanamo Bay, but then they got tapped to make a 
uh, reboot of American Pie. So oh. so they stay on as the writers and their producers on this movie, but they can't handle directing. So they bring on Todd strauss Schulson to direct the movie because they can't do it because American Reunion, which comes out, I think, also in 2011. Do you know where you know Hurwitz and Schlossberg from if you don't know them from Harold and Kumar? Well, I've done my research on this a little bit. So I think I know them from Cobra Kai. Do or die. Cobra Kai <laughs> never dies. Yes. Oh I mean, my God. so weird. These guys are best known for Harold and Kumar and the Cobra Kai franchise. Yeah, but you know what? It really makes sense to me because that this is their humor where I think Cobra Kai has that funny little like business of humor in there. Now, it's not... It's not the same exact type, but it is that kind of irreverent, kind of silly little parts to it that I know it doesn't permeate the whole story. But like with Johnny, especially, I think that there's a lot of that in there. I agree with that. I agree with that. I, I just like the fact that they go on to make Cobra Kai and you have that great little exchange dur- during the beer pong match about what karate kid are you talking about? And yes. the, little, the little snot nosed kid is like, my man, Jaden Smith and Jackie Chan. Oh, my God. <laughs> Someone give that kid a swirly in the bathroom immediately. <laughs> Oh, Please. my gosh. That little boy was so obnoxious. I want to bite his face. Just bite his face like the penguin. <laughs> yes. Like the yes. penguin getting style tips from Batman exactly. Returns. Exactly. That's how I felt. He was so annoying. Oh, my God. Let's talk about some of the Christmas aspects of this movie. Because okay. I think, and let me know if you disagree, this okay. movie works maybe as Christmas tree porn. I don't know that I've ever seen a movie more obsessed or longing, looking longingly at Christmas trees uh, as as a Fraser fir twelve footer as this movie does. It almost made me feel a little uncomfortable. How <laughs> how much tree talk is in this movie? <laughs> the only other movie where I feel like trees come up as often is. Christmas Vacation and his never-ending quest to have the perfect tree. I feel like this entire setup, though, with the tree and the in-laws, this is so relatable Christmas and something that I absolutely feel like I've gone above and beyond to please people at Christmas time of extended family. My goodness, this setup is perfection for me. Now, it's been a while since I've had in-laws, but all all these emotions and family that's unwanted, that just feels like they have a right to invade your house and, and demand things and I, oof, all of it felt very relatable. And the rejection of like you starting your own traditions, like the fact that they had like a white tree and it was decorated differently than the traditional family way. I think that's like a huge part of this. You know, at what point do you stand up and say, well, I am allowed to start my own family and my own traditions and I don't always have to do it like everybody else did it. I love that he eventually, when he's, when Harold does stand up, he's been through this, this chaotic night and he mm. stands up to Danny Trejo and he says, hey, by the way, this is my house and she's my wife yeah she may be your daughter but she's my wife this is my house no one asked you to be here you know now that being fair that i thought that tree was ugly as sin his white (laughs) tree but listen i i've talked about it i think on this podcast before i grew up with a fake tree i never ever in my life had a real tree we had a fake green christmas tree that we had to kind of assemble and then we put the lights on every year but for me that was very authentic christmas like i it never even occurred to me that there were crazy people out in the world that were actually hauling real trees into their house not until i was like a teenager did i meet someone that actually used a real tree such city kid talk everyone everyone i knew growing up had a fake tree but not like ugly white ones that looked fake it looked like a real tree it smelled nice it had lights it had garland you couldn't see the pole or anything around easter time we would take down the christmas tree uh you know after we found our eggs in it 
that was like the Caputo family tradition. I really feel like having seen the wife and just a little bit of like the home, the tree actually very much fit their aesthetic. So it is super sad that like I know the father-in-law was like yelling at Harold, but like in reality, all this talk of his daughter, his his wife, all this. Well, she was okay with it too, you know? So it's kind of also that, that weird thing that happens at the holidays where it's like the outlaw is the problem, even though very obviously the child who was there in the house with that tree was perfectly happy with a new tradition. Yes, but fathers and daughters are a whole weird thing that you can never really fully get into. But I agree with you. It did fit their aesthetic. The, it's, but it's a the sconce talk. Thing. I mean, the sconces talk. All of that talk and that tree did actually fit. But yes, I, I think the larger point you you're know making what I'm about, talking about yes. that whole idea of like, if something goes wrong at the holidays, well, it must be the the person married in who messed this up when, hello, I mean, the the biological child was going along with it and happy with it. Let's stay on Danny Trejo for a second, because people always have a very mixed reaction to him. Are you a, are you a person who finds him amusing when he pops up in movies <laughs> like this, like family movies like this? Or I'm, I'm yeah, using, I'm using family, I'm giving the treat, I'm, I'm giving family movie in quotes here until we suss that out more. But for all intents and purposes, he's not playing machete in this movie. He's playing in a family movie. He's playing a grumpy yeah. guy. I like the ironic use of him. I think that it works perfectly. And honestly, I think that he embodies the intimidation factor of every father-in-law. I love when he pops up in these kinds of movies because he's always, to me, feeling like he's playing a version of himself, kind of like Neil Patrick Harris is. Like, if they had called him Danny Trejo in this movie, I would have been yeah. like, yeah, that's kind of it like, worked. yeah, <laughs> I, I believe it, you know, you know, with the with the chest full of tattoos and also sitting bare chested in your son-in-law's house I in know. the middle of the night is a real baller move. Like, that's a real power play. <laughs> it's so intimidating. I mean, come on. It's just, it's like, it's like, you know, spreading your legs out on the couch and being like this is my place like territorial it's so over the top totally but i love him in this movie and i love when he gets used in this movie it's like i i feel for a reason now i've brought up spy kids twice but danny yeah. trejo is a regular feature in the spy kids movies you know yeah. I, I, and he's fantastic in those movies i like him when they when he gets used this way i probably like him more like this than when he's actually playing murderous psychopath <laughs> Yeah, so really, really funny. And I think kind of great casting to set up the MacGuffin of what they have to do. I like that you compared him to Neil Patrick Harris because it feels like one of those playing against type. You know, like Neil Patrick Harris, we think of as a good guy for the most part. I know that there's like the the Barney version of him that's like a little over the top, but really overall as a human we think of him as like a really great guy who reads like night before christmas at disney at the parade and so to play like this womanizing guy is super funny and the same with trejo like he's doing the same exact thing yeah a hundred percent agree you mentioned the 3d uh, the 3d stood out to me as something to talk about in this movie but there was another set piece in this movie that stood out to me was the claymation sequence which we talked mm. a, a little bit about it with the the 3d phallus in that section nether region <laughs> nethers the 3d nethers but yes. overall though what it claimed the claymation having not seen this movie did that surprise you that we went there what did you think of the stop motion animation does it make it feel Christmassy to you that they threw that in there what was your reaction Ooh. to that whole section i don't know 
if I even made that Christmas connection. But now that you just said that, of course, of course, we have all of our early traditional Christmas classics with the claymation. So yeah, I didn't, I didn't even make that connection, but absolutely. I was taking it again, like that circusy kind of feel where it's like, of course, we're going to have this portion that is going to be so outlandish and they're going to go from humans and transform into these little claymation guys. Like it just felt on brand, I guess, at that point, like, yeah, these, these jokes have to go next level. Anytime I see claymation, it's, it's become just such a, a well-used trope by people who are creative and funny, who are also nostalgic community famously used a Christmas claymation episode to kind of get inside Abed's head of why he feels he, the way he does about Christmas. And you see that and you immediately know, oh man, we're, we're, you're totally taking me to a Christmas place when they come out of the drug Lord's den and mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're high, but they're also running for their life and they end up hugging the tree. Like is when it, then that hits his claymation. I'm like, yeah, they're having a Christmas themed high right now. <laughs> I totally get it. But then you add in the evil killing snowman and the song. It's a very jolly day for you to die. I, is hysterical because it's a Christmas song. It, listen to the words. It is it's an undeniably Christmas song, but it's a Christmas song as like done by Weird Al Yankovic, who has several Christmas songs, but they're all about the end of the world or Santa Claus going crazy and oh killing gosh. everyone at the North Pole. They're hysterical. They are regular fixtures in our house. They're not traditional Christmas carols, but they're funny and they're Christmassy. They definitely help make the Christmas uh, spirit be felt. So I really, really liked it. I thought it was actually really well integrated and i thought it was really well pulled off and animated you know what i'm a big fan of what Wafflebot. i love Wafflebot. <laughs> i love Wafflebot. there's they we see a commercial for Wafflebot, and it says robots plus waffles equals awesome i have in my notes <laughs> hell yeah it does robots plus waffles does equal awesome i am all about it i i don't think the i, I can't imagine the programmers intended for Wafflebot to have such a loving loyalty to Ooh. Kumar and not one to, a, to um, you know, happen so quickly. But I'm happy. I mean, Harold and Kumar probably die if not for Wafflebot. So. Right? He was key to the story, which is super funny. You know what? They kept it within the realm of Wafflebot's abilities. He saves them with, I mean, he melts he melts their ropes with uh, molten maple syrup. You know, he sprays like hot oil on the on the gangsters. So Wafflebot, he's he's the unsung hero he's of this hero, movie. He's a hero, man. He I is. know, I love that. I love uh, it. Listen, <laughs> any listeners out there that want to find a real life-size Wafflebot and send it to us, uh, DM me. I will send you our address. You can mail me a Wafflebot for an early Christmas present. <laughs> I would be totally psyched if Wafflebot was under the tree for me. I, I'm really, I'm really yeah. feeling Kumar on this one. I think so too. Who doesn't want to be pampered by a robot? Let's talk about the Neil Patrick Harris Christmas show extravaganza. Now, oh I gosh. know you are someone who is a fan of the Rockettes Christmas Spectacular. I, I know, am. in fact, you have seen it. Does, yes. it what, did this make you nostalgic and wistful for seeing the old Rockettes? It really did. My middle kiddo had a Rockettes costume that she would wear when she was tiny and would go around doing all the little dance numbers. So yeah, this felt fantastic. And again, doing such a great job of dipping into the familiar without really doing anything like gross about it. You know, like that's where the bad Santa stuff like icks me out. They didn't mess up that whole song and dance. They didn't do anything that made that gross or in any way like embarrass the Rockettes or anything like that. You know what I mean? Like they 
did it. And it was like a good, funny, hilarious little dance. And I take issue with Harold saying he's not a good dancer at the end of the movie where he's, where he's, <laughs> where he's relating to Danny Trejo all the things that they've been through that night. I thought him and uh, him and Kumar really hung in there really well he in did. the kick line. I thought that was fantastic. <laughs> it was so fun. I mean, again, circusy, circusy, and just exciting to see that. I mean, I, I, I still find it funny. I could see where this maybe hasn't aged the best in 2021, the sequence. Well, okay. So here's the thing. I mean, everything about this movie has layers to it that can be offensive or supposed to be offensive. I agree completely that, yeah, what he's saying is is over the top. It's inappropriate. But that's the point, you know? I mean, and everyone's calling him out on it. Everyone, Everyone's saying, you're gross, you're horrible. Like, no one is condoning it. That's true. That's true. And I think Neil Patrick Harris is one of those, like, rarefied sphere people yeah, he's like Teflon. He is Teflon. And, and, and Teflon insofar as he can do this kind of obvious parody thing and it not come off as something that needs to be canceled. Uh, that mm-hmm. was my kind of feeling about it. Yes, I agree with you wholeheartedly. This whole movie is, is intentionally not politically correct, but it, and in a way that. I mean, Roger Ebert talked about this movie and he had a quote that was, this is a paraphrase, but essentially it was, it wasn't so much that the movie offended me. I just didn't find it very funny. Now, I agree with Roger Ebert on a lot of his reviews. I don't agree with that one. I actually found this movie very, very funny. And, but I did agree with him that it didn't offend me. I didn't find this movie very offensive because I think it's so obvious that they're just trying to make you laugh. And they and they even like say this is not the right behavior during it. You know, someone's doing it. I mean, right, the guy right. is outraged that his baby got into drugs. Right. He's not. He's not okay with it. Do That's you know the what I mean? for the episode. <laughs> that, he, the, but, the dad was outraged that his baby got into drugs. But what I'm saying is that you show something inappropriate. Yes, and if everyone was celebrating that and laughing at that and being like, "Oh, this is the best thing ever." Okay. That's not good. But I mean, if you have a situation where all the characters are like, oh, my God, what a disaster. The baby got into drugs. But then you show the antics of the baby on drugs. That works for me. You know, I don't think that's offensive. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think the movie does a good spectrum of having different characters reacting to the different things that they're seeing. So you have uh, the gross friend, Kubar's gross friend, Adrian, I believe it is, the one who's pursuing the Virgin Mary. Mary. Yes. Which is super funny. Uh, Love super, that concept. Super funny. Very, very funny. Yeah. So you have him where he's the one who would laugh at the baby being hooked on drugs. But then you have your Harold. You have uh, Todd saying, Mike, like, that's not good. That's not we good to have babies. Laugh. We would laugh. I okay? was laughing. Me I too. was like when she says, thing. I got the munchies. I yes. laughed hysterically. That's the thing. Like when she was like, gimme, 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 like the whole thing. It was so funny. And the thing is like, yeah, I know you have to like put to the side all of your like real world problems and just be like, okay, this is, this is meant to be hilarious. That baby is not really doing drugs. So just let yourself go off into this imaginary world where like, but what if they did? How would they act? And it would be really funny. It would be really funny. It would be we really would funny. We would laugh in person. We'd be like, oh my God, the baby got into drugs. And then if they did something funny, we'd still laugh at it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. If they climbed on the ceiling, I would still be like, oh my gosh, this yeah. is crazy. Yeah. Coke, Coke baby. I have in my notes here, 
Coke Baby Ava is always funny to me. Yes. I, and and that is true. I stand by that note. I, you can ask me in 10 years. I will still stand by that note. <laughs> um, let, let's go into Neil Patrick Harris explaining. Now, this is something that if you had not seen the end of Guantanamo Bay, Escape from Guantanamo Bay, the second movie, uh, Neil Patrick Harris is shot to death in that movie. Mm-hmm. After the credits, there's a post-credit scene where he is seen climbing out of the water, looking annoyed, but not particularly dead. So that's how he comes back to life here. They explain in this movie what exactly happened, because Harold and Kumar very much expect Neil Patrick Harris to be dead. And he explains that he went up to heaven. Uh, Jesus, uh, well, Jesus ended up being a little jealous of how attractive Neil Patrick Harris was to all the women in heaven. And so sends him back to earth. (laughs) I like that he's like, give me the phone. God. Oh, I thought it was funny when he says, uh, he's like, yeah, this is my place. And Neil Patrick Harris is like, oh, really? He's like, well, my dad owns it. And he cuts him off. He says, oh, you're one of those kids. You know, just really, really funny. <laughs> Jake is. Johnson. What a, 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 what a fun cameo from Jake Johnson. I, yeah. I don't know what your feeling is about him. I, something tells me you like him, but do you, what's your feeling about him? What, am I going to not like him? Come on. Okay. Yeah. So I thought he was particularly uh, funny as a Jason because he's got such like a, he's got such a droopy dog look about him. So he, he does like <laughs> sad sack Jesus. Jesus is well, really funny. the idea that he's sad sack Jesus, I think is particularly funny. <laughs> well, uh, and here's the thing. Look at them. I know it's hilarious. I know it's off the wall, but they brought in Jesus to a Christmas movie. Come on. There's layers. Yeah, there are layers. There are layers to this movie. You could easily (laughs) write this movie off as being a stoner comedy not worth your time. But there are layers here, people. I think we're we're quickly approaching the Christmas movie discussion. (laughs) I think we are. And I think what better the segue is than talking about the end set piece where they shoot Santa and then have to do surgery on him. (laughs) That was wicked. Okay, so that would be my second, like, head my eyes kind of thing. The poop on the window totally hit my eyes that was really really graphic i was like oh my gosh now i i got over it and it was still funny and it was still just it was one of those times when you're just like oh my gosh it's so over the top it's funny whereas the baby poop was gross to you i think the santa head wound wasn't was more that it was just a graphic because they really they really get into the head gore. Yeah, they do. But also, it's Santa Claus. I mean, the part at the end when he's like, Santa is real, and I shot him. Like, yeah. that was so funny. But I mean, again, the character realizes doesn't... bad things have happened. Like, he yeah. had done a bad thing. Like, that's wrong. Right. <laughs> not okay to give babies drugs. Not okay to shoot yeah. Santa. The, There's the, a, so many parts they acknowledge as like, this wasn't okay. Yeah. We did a thing here tonight, but we should not be proud of ourselves for having done the thing. <laughs> right. And they totally admonished, you know, like NPH behavior. Yeah. So the movie the movie is censoring itself. The movie is scolding itself. We're going to do a thing. We're going to make you laugh. But then we're going to make sure you understand. We understand that is wrong. Right. Because we don't want to get into this cancel culture biz. Right. Right. And this is a 10 years really before. Can- well, not 10 years before cancel culture, but probably like seven years before cancel culture really kind of started to take off. So, yeah, yeah uh, I, I appreciate the movie doing that. And I think it all makes it funnier. It makes it funnier for them to shoot Santa, perform surgery on it. Then get a ride back from Santa, learn he's the one who delivered a giant blunt to them to bring them back together. And then you find Santa's hat in the morning, the bloody hat in the morning with the Christmas miracle. (laughs) But oh my gosh, hello. Uh, How about a little uh, Polar Express with the bell? That's like so similar. Yeah. 
Yeah, very. Love it. Yeah, another movie using uh, animation at, <laughs> to, to, to bring home its Christmas movie. And I would say, I would say this movie does a lot better job of not having dead eyes in its characters than Polar Express. So. Right, exactly. <laughs> I think the only really last Christmassy aspect of the movie before we start talking about is this a Christmas movie is the music. Caroline, were you shocked at how much Christmas music is actually in this film? Did you stop and pay attention to it? You know what? They did a really great job of weaving it in. I really think that the, the, the song that really got me was when Patton Oswalt and as Santa was like out in the, the parking garage. Like I completely heard the music then. And then the rest of the time, I honestly feel like it just kind of wove in really nicely. And I wasn't overly focused on it. But was there songs that really stuck out for you? Oh, and obviously the Killing Snowman song. I mean, I can't ignore that. Uh, I mean, Joy to the World with Pat Oswald, Santa, and Kumar doing the weed. Uh, and I, I, by the way, again, I, I have never in my life smoked marijuana. I've never had weed. I've never smoked a cigarette. I'm a very innocent person when it comes to all that kind of stuff. I found all of the Christmas-themed drug names, weed names, very, very funny. There is something funny about the way people act when they're in an, any type of altered state. Like, if you need to go to it in your brain, like, okay, pretend that these people, like, all had their wisdom teeth just taken out, okay? And they're all gonna act like extra goofy at different points in time. Like, you could kind of make it in your head where it's like, okay, it's they're not proponents. They're not telling all of us to go do drugs or something. It's just, it's funny when someone is in some sort of altered state and they're doing something that's like extra wild. I think a lot of, I mean, in a lot of ways, this movie is a don't do drugs kind of commercial. Right. I mean, I mean, they're, they're not, they're not glorifying it in a way because almost all oh, you act stupid, right? <laughs> yeah. You make bad decisions and bad things happen to you. And it's not, I mean, grown ups don't do weed except for when they do is kind of like the lesson of this movie. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I, you absolutely don't need to be into drug culture to find it funny because you're right. Or even approve of it in any way. If you've ever been to a bar watching yes. drunk people, whether they're your friends or not act stupid, it can be a great yeah. form of schadenfreude. Like watching <laughs> people act dumb when they're high or drunk or on pain pills, whatever it is, is funny uh, is. or it has the potential to be funny. So it, it is. Yeah. And again, you just have to be willing to laugh. You have to be willing to go into this with the open mind of, I don't do drugs, but I can still find it funny watching people do drugs and, and be then funny over that. Because I think a lot of people are not even going to go watch this movie. And I probably didn't watch this movie years ago because where am I going to find joy in that? Where am I going to find any kind of humor in that? I don't understand these guys' point of view. As I've gotten older, I've realized, well, no, actually, you, there's a ton of humor that you could still find funny even if you don't share the habits and i would kind of classify this as like absurdist humor so it's the type of thing too where like you know you might feel a little bit weird or a little bit uncomfortable it reminds me of like going to like you know Cirque du Soleil where you know sometimes they have that like weird french clown that comes out and does like weird things and stuff like that that kind of business you know, it makes you a little uncomfortable or it makes you be like, well, this is not something that I would normally see. But at the same time, it's like, OK, but I get it within this context. We're going to the absurd. We're, we're taking it further than it would be in real life. And like a circus, like just go with it. It's funny. It's a crazy act. All right. I, I, I don't like to talk about the French clown at Cirque du Soleil. I was victimized you, by one years ago. Do you ago. know that baby one where he wears that diaper? Caroline, it's I was horrible. I was victimized by a clown at Cirque du Soleil years ago. Oh no, did he get you? Were you coming in late? Because that's the worst. I came in late. 
No, he will late. always grab you. I came in late to a Cirque no. du Soleil in Orlando. <gasps> oh, no, you can't do that. And I had an armful of food. That was why I was late. I had been oh. buying concession snacks for the group of people I was with. I had, you know, three popcorns and candy and drinks yeah. all in my arms. I looked like the quintessential big fat American guy with all of the food that concession oh, no. stand offers. And the French clam was standing at the entrance oh, and no. like... Like a lamb to the slaughter, Caroline. Oh no, you the walked in right into him. Three spotlights on me. Him, him making big <laughs> belly motions. Oh tap, my god! Tapping his watch. I, if he had, if he had pants to me, it would have been the least humili- <laughs> humiliating thing that happened to me at Cirque du Soleil. <laughs> I but can't no. believe of all of the oh absurdest concepts you could pull from the world, you picked the trigger. No, that's <laughs> that. I oh had this, my I lord! Had... I'm sitting here. I've broken out into a cold sweat. I've broken out into a so cold sweat. I didn't have the same experience, but in Vegas, I saw this guy, and oh my gosh, the just the whole thing about just. How you you can't believe it's happening is basically the point of it, right? Is even when it was happening to you, you can't believe it's happening. Even as the audience, you can't believe this person is doing this. That is this movie, though. You know, it's like taking it further than what anyone else thinks it's going to go. You know, maybe he's going to joke with you once, but no, he's going to keep joking with you. And you're like, ah, quit it. I mean, yeah. If he had, <laughs> I'm if sorry he had, to bring up such a bad memory. If he had pants me and then given me a wedgie, uh, it, w- it would have been less humiliating. That would have been very creative of him to do both. I, especially with my arms full. I mean, oh, I, it was the worst possible scenario. It was, oh, it was, gosh. it was the classic. Every possible thing that could have gone wrong in this moment went wrong. You know, it wasn't oh like gosh. I was walking in late with a salad. I was uh, walking late in with like a sampler pack of every damn thing that this <laughs> they sold there. That's uh, really there, was funny. Like a, there was like five of us. So I had all of the food for like five people. It's over, Mike. It's okay. Oh, no, He's it's gone. not okay. I still He's feel gone. It. He I really is it. gone. But here's oh, the thing. The spotlights, the way they swung around, it was like I had been caught breaking into something. <laughs> Oh my gosh. The, you know what? The entire experience with that, that makes my face feel like red, you know, like I'm humiliated for whomever he's talking to. All right, Caroline, we got to get into, yes. is this a Christmas movie? Is this a great Christmas movie? What, what, what's your, what's your hot take on this? Okay. So my just quick knee jerk reaction is yes. I think this is absolutely a Christmas movie. This is not a Christmas movie for the little ones, but this is absolutely a Christmas movie that I think my older teenagers thought it was hysterical. They were into it hardcore. They thought it was so funny. They don't have any experience with drugs and all this stuff either, but they could see how funny people were acting and it just totally worked for them. They had all the layers, the trying to please family at Christmas time and the lengths you will go. I have flung my sunglasses across the the car because I am at my wits end trying to make the perfect Christmas for other people. And that whole feeling, oh my gosh, if if other movies tapped into things like loneliness or, you know, just the, the parts of Christmas that people don't really talk about, this is one of them. How much pressure you feel to do everything just right for other people who just barge into your life. And I thought that all the layering and the Virgin Mary having things like the Christmas tree salesman. I mean, I've all of it, all of it worked for me. How about you? 
this is a total Christmas movie for me. I think you strip away the stoner comedy. I think you strip away the checklist gags and jokes that almost feel like, 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 like there's a checklist that they have to put in. You know, we need baby poop. We need a blunt joke. We need a angry black guy joke. We need to make other racial stereotype jokes, which the Carol and Kumar movies are known for making. You strip away all that kind of stuff. I, this is a movie that's about the value and necessity and power of friendship and family and particularly at Christmas time and the stresses that come with those things that friendship is not easy friendship has its ebbs and flows and that you know you can't the what Harold and Kumar say to the gangsters at the end that you've been together for a long time and there's going to be ups and downs don't throw it all away yes ob- it was very obviously also about Harold and Kumar themselves but it doesn't make it any less true it's about the things that we're willing to do for family almost to our own harm and detriment but because we feel a need to make them happy and that is a very real emotion at christmas time that is a very particular thing that you feel at christmas time you don't feel pressure to entertain your family at arbor day necessarily um maybe so maybe at easter maybe at thanksgiving but never more so no, christmas never mm. more so than christmas it is a very particular thing so this movie you know using the litmus test one of the litmus tests is of could this movie have taken place at at a different time of the year and been the same? No. This is a very particular time to Christmas, what Harold goes through. But the coming together of Harold and Kumar, the the idea that they are better off, their lives are better with them in it, what a great testament to the power of friendship. Even Todd, you know, is a good friend to Harold. Yes, he's a little butt-kissing and he's a little, he's a little much to take, but he's there. He's there when Harold needs him. You know, he's giving him, you know, freely of himself and his poop car. Uh, to, to do it. <laughs> and that's the thing. I mean, you could even have that moment of it's a little Charlie Brown Christmas where it's like all your friends come together to try to help you get your tree. Boy, does that sound familiar? Yeah. And you know what? Not all your friends are great. Some are horny guys who are trying to bed Virgin Mary. Some are, you know, guys who have kids who are now addicted to drugs. You know, you know, some some are guys who find you in the park when you're high off your butt hugging a tree. Um, were so funny those yeah, two guys very very funny they, they're them. holdovers from other movies they you have been in the, yes they yeah. have been previous this was like their cameo moment um <laughs> at the white castle how nice i mean way to bring yes. it full circle down to the original movie i you know i mm, i want to go back and watch these now i i already looked i already looked to oh, see yeah? yeah uh if you have stars you could actually watch um uh harold and kumar go to white castle through hulu right now or if you have a star subscription Ooh, i'm gonna watch it and i think they're both available to just rent if you wanted to Guantanamo Bay and White Castle, they're both available to rent on Amazon. So so parents, if you haven't seen this movie, I would absolutely give you guys a little caveat that again, this is not for anybody. I would say in my own household, I'm not showing it to anyone under really 17 because yes. I mean, it's definitely there's nudity, there's lewd jokes, there's stuff that let's just say my, my uh, standard is if I don't want to hear it repeated, then I'm not going to show it. Like if this person is going to get in grave trouble with an adult, don't show it to them because this is going to be bad. The the nun scene, a lot of the religious jokes, I mean, there's a lot there that I'm like, ooh, 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 ooh. But I'm telling you, as an adult... What a release to watch it and just laugh at the holidays. I guffawed watching this movie. I straight out guffawed laughing at this movie. Uh, you remind me, we were talking about 3D pieces that were really funny. When yep. Harold is is having this, I don't even know where he was coming from, but he has this fantastic Ocean's Eleven-like plan a heist that involves... 
involves all sorts of murder and violence at the church and nude nuns. Yes. Yes. And, and he's and yes. he's defending it as as Harold is Harold is calling well, Kumar on nuns. it. And he's like, "Why? What? They all they all showered?" And he's like, "He's like, so of weird. course." He's like, "Where do you think that they shower?" Like he he's so he's so serious about it. But the three D pieces with like the tooth flying out of his mouth. Very very funny scenes. But they question it again. They question it, right? Like, he's like, what are you talking about? Nuns showering? That's ridiculous. Like, right. they say it within the movie. That's a bad idea. That's a silly thought. But they show it. Yeah, exactly. Right, right. The movie does a great job of someone re- raises the absurd stakes, and then someone, usually Harold, is like, no, yes. that doesn't that's sound like a great behavior. idea. <laughs> that doesn't sound like a great idea to me. Um, yeah. But then you take into the music, which I didn't even get to finish. I mean, the joy to the world with Pat Oswalt and Santa is great. But for me, the uh, this movie is loaded with uh, Christmas music. You have It's Beginning to Look a Lot Like Christmas. You have Donde Esta Santa Claus, which I haven't heard in forever, uh, is in this. You have Carol the Bells. You have Slayer ride you have uh, ave maria is in here you have it's a very jolly day for you to die you have a uh, christmas medley of deck the hall santa claus is coming to town uh little drummer boy we wish you a merry christmas then you have the bing crosby have yourself a very little uh, have yourself a merry little christmas at the end of the movie but for me you have white christmas which is the movie we covered Aww. last week you have yeah. white christmas but during coke baby the the cocaine powder <laughs> flying and coating everyone and it's also a shootout that is hysterical i i almost had to go to the bathroom i was laughing so hard oh during that scene <laughs> i love that i love that it brought up all those emotions too because i think that that's even a layer of christmas that when you're like brought to that heightened place where you're like laughing and just like into it i think that even for me as we're as we're dissecting what is a christmas movie you have to feel something right so you feel his anxiousness to to make Christmas right. And then you feel how absurd things are and how funny things can get if you allow yourself to, you know, like, and that's even how I feel about like regular real life Christmas is like, if you allow yourself to step back and just laugh at how ridiculous it is, let me tell you this, it, within my own extended family, we used to make such a big deal out of everyone getting so dressed up for Christmas Eve, such a big deal, you know, fancy patent leather shoes, fancy dresses and stuff. And one year... I was like, I can't stand this anymore. Like my kids don't want to do this. And this is like so much stress. And so what we decided to do is do like a funny slash ugly sweater night. And it made it so much more casual and so much more relaxed. And there's something about being able to laugh a little bit at Christmas, poke fun at what we're doing and how hard we're all working to make it where you can deal, I guess, as an adult, you know, it's not so it's not so easy to always be laughing and enjoying Christmas because it's a lot of work. I'm so glad you brought up ugly sweaters because uh, uh, watching Danny Trejo wear a series of different ugly sweaters was uh, its own personal <laughs> joy to me that maybe made the entire movie worth it. Just for that alone, I found very, very fun and adorable to watch because they were different, like in every scene. Yeah. Uh, the, the director, uh, Todd Strauss uh, Schulson, uh, he suggested Danny Trejo as the father after making a Photoshop picture of Danny Trejo wearing a Christmas sweater. So he had that whole idea in his head and like me must have found it just adorably funny. Well, it's so ironic. Oh yes. The juxtaposition of it is, is just too much. And it's just perfect because, you know, and again, even in real life, like just to take the, the seriousness and the, and the solemnity of Christmas Eve and be like, you know what? Let's just have hilarious things. Like, I mean, people wear the most silly things 
pictures of Jesus on it that was like, happy birthday to me. And like just all kinds of fun little things that just made you feel like, okay, there is supposed to be an element of just joy. They don't say like seriousness to the world. Okay. It's joy to the world. Like be happy. If if Christmas is defined by friends, family, joy and laughing and having fun and enjoying your time together, I don't know that you find a better movie of that <laughs> than a very Harold and Kumar Christmas. It adds the silly, the, the really needed silly element that we lose, that childlike silliness that I understand it's not it's not childlike humor, but it's childish humor that still makes me feel like. Like I'm belly laughing at this stuff. I do agree with you, though. You can we can't, and we cannot stress enough. You're hearing our recommendation. You're hearing that we like this movie. This is not for little kids. It's not even for most teenagers. No, I, I'm saying 17 and older. I, I agree with you, and not because of the drug humor. Really, that didn't really bother me. I think my kid is about to turn 13. Could handle that. I think he could handle the language. The there is pervasive nudity and sexual innuendo in this and movie. And racism. And uh, yes, and, and racism that without having a long conversation conversation about that they're exploiting stereotypes to be funny right there there's too many things that little kids uh, or even teenagers right. yeah. wouldn't get and you you could explain it to them and then maybe they would find it funny but it would take the joy out of it because you'd have to stop and have a long <laughs> conversation about you just don't want it repeated at christmas dinner in front of grandma yes well even even the um the latrell lamar christmas uh, tree lot section i yes. found riotously funny but i would have to stop and explain to tom what they're doing here, what they're doing, what the stereotype is, how they're exploiting it, and to make it funny and absurd. And that's why it's okay to laugh here, but it's not okay to actually have, you know what I mean? Like, you'd have yeah. to do that. Uh, and you'd have to also explain that Latrell Lamar was a character in Revenge of the Nerds, which is a great little Easter egg. <laughs> Even the whole, you know, Wu-Tang Clan lyrics you'd have to get into. And the whole part portion, I mean, there is there is. I mean, RZA of- is in Wu-Tang Clan. He's one of the salesmen. I love that. Isn't that so cute? I love it's a cameo. So it's so fun. There are some uh, great Easter eggs when we get to uh, when we get the fast facts here in a second. Yeah, let's jump into fast facts. Sure, hit hold, me up with the first one. Okay, so let's talk about some Easter eggs that if you are using your eye spy eyes, you can find in here. So when Adrian is tying the Christmas tree to the roof of his vehicle, he says, "Let's chop this tree off at Sulu's," which is very funny because Harold. John Cho played Sulu in the reboot of Star Trek and again in Star Trek Into the Darkness. And I think moments like that, again, like if your kid is watching that, oh my gosh, like you don't want to have to have him go off and find someone who has Asian descent and starts calling or him Or Korean Sulu. or specifically Korean descent. Like, hey, yeah, Korean, Korean boy, that. he call him a Sulu. Like, oh my yeah, God, no, 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 no. no, no. no. Yeah. Context, so context matters. Context, context matters. matters. And you need to know that he actually played that character. Like they're not just saying something rude there. I'm super proud of myself that I recognize David Burka as Neil Patrick Harris's real life husband because they've been on things like Oprah and stuff like that. And when I saw him, I was like, oh, my gosh, how cute that they're actually doing this together. There was a real sense of family on this movie that, mm-hmm. like you were saying, like the kind of inside jokes and the way that they were doing things like, yes, it was, it was part of the story, but they were actually like layering in real life. I really love that. I, I think that, again, as funny as this sounds, it adds to the Christmas movie element. I, I, I was going to bring up David Burka was also playing, you know, air quotes, David Burka in this movie. You know, he was playing the beard husband to or reverse beard husband, I guess, to Neil Patrick Harris. What I didn't know that I, I didn't know about these two was that they had met 
on the set of How I Met Your Mother when Neil Patrick Harris obviously played uh, Barney Stinson. Uh, another another fun Easter egg is when Adrian says that he told Mary that Kumar worked at the White House, and Kumar like whispers to himself, "Yeah, she'll believe that." And that's funny because Cal Penn obviously had worked at the White House, had left the White House as we said at the beginning of this episode, left the White House to go make this movie, and then went back working at the Obama administration. So I love those little winks. I feel like as the so audience, fun. they're like pulling us in, and they're like, "Hey, you're in on the joke." Let's let's exactly. like yes, talk about this. right, right. It makes me happy. It makes me feel like I'm part of the party. It makes you feel like I'm part of the party. And they're not so remote that you'd have to you, – you'd pick up on that. You'd pick up on the Sulu line. You know, if you were a kid of the 90s, you probably picked up the Wu-Tang Clan stuff. Um, yes. You know, all of that. Uh, just the idea of Wu-Tang Clan as a, as a lullaby <laughs> is so, so funny. Uh, it is yeah. funny. But the baby likes it so much. But don't you – did you ever find that? Like sometimes kids like things that are absolutely not – childish they actually enjoy things to be a little bit more adult language or whatever like they get just as much joy out of it which is kind of funny ross geller singing baby got back to his baby to get her to stop crying and friends is one of the iconic scenes especially of the later (laughs) half of that series and then and and then him and rachel both in their shame because they eventually get caught doing it but in their shame (laughs) are like singing baby got back to their daughter to make her stop crying you know hysterical it's always funny it it works i think that there's something about it that it, it just it hits home but it's like something no one ever talks about (laughs) you know like wait a minute you sing like rap lyrics to your kids (laughs) like funny hey you know who made a brief appearance during the claymation sequence that all of the harold and kumar lovers might recognize him uh who weedy weedy everyone needs it (laughs) every movie needs a mascot weedy (laughs) we got two mascots in this one because we also had wafflebot who i am saying is the unofficial official mascot of this movie Unfortunately, Waffle, uh, Wafflebot, apparently, according to the director, uh, Strauss Schulzen, uh, shooting the Wafflebot scenes, yeah, most difficult and time-consuming of all the scenes that they had to make in the movie. Really? Why? Yeah. I, I get it. He was just a difficult prop to work with, I think, just oh. trying to maneuver it and get it all the pieces to work in the way that they were supposed to work for the movie. I think so. it's super funny that they actually carried that over from a screenplay that Schlossenberg and Hurwitz wrote back in 2000 about this waffle-making robot character. I mean, I think that that's really funny. Way to hang on to characters like that. I think if you are if you make comedies like this, you have to come up with like these wildly outlandish characters and just keep them in your notebook for when they need to fit into any movie you're making. How about that director cameo with Todd Strauss-Scholson in the montage of Sergei Katzoff in like actually having his throat slit by Katzoff? This just felt like one of those things where it's like you bring everyone in. Like, I hope there is a fourth movie. And I know that Neil Patrick Harris says, see you in the fourth one. But like this really felt like everyone who wants to be in the movie, just come on in. Let's just do something funny with you. I think in at 2016, John Cho actually said there's already an idea out there for the fourth one. They just haven't. Uh, Goodness sakes, though. It's 2021, Mike. That was I some know. time ago. Oh, people have been busy. People have been busy. <laughs> John Cho started making other movies. Uh, so Amir Blumenfeld plays. Adrian and Todd Lennon, who plays Todd, they improvised actually most of their lines, which they're both comedians. They're both improv comedians. Actually, Amir Blumenfeld and his comedy partner, Jake Hurwitz, not to be confused with John Hurwitz, the co-writer of this movie, uh, actually founded the HeadGum Podcast Network, which has oh, a lot wow. of comedy podcast network, uh, has a, uh, a lot of comedy podcasts on it. Uh, I have a yeah. lot of respect for actors who can get on camera and just go, just improvise. I think that that is such a talent. And again, you know, while not every joke hit for me, I think that there was a lot that was really, really funny. The part where Adrian goes, tell me it's not a disease. <laughs> 
so funny. Yeah, he's I he's really trying he's trying up. to convince himself that he's into it, but then he keeps also stopping and well, like because as, you would yes, you would you'd you be would like hope. wait 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 what is it yeah, what how, is what, how what badly is it? do I need to have sex here. Uh, <laughs> Oh, the last fast fact I had here is actually there's a really strong Spider-Man connection in this movie. Oh, yeah? Oddly enough. So Neil Patrick Harris played Peter Parker in Spider-Man 2003. Like on in what? I, I, I think like it was on... a cartoon. I think it was a, oh, a cartoon uh, Spider-Man funny. in 2003. Uh, Jake Johnson, who we said has a cameo here as Jesus, he plays Peter B. Parker in the hit animation smash uh, movie Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Uh, oh. He's like the he's like the second lead in that movie as Spider Man. Wow. Patton Oswalt, who played Weed Santa, uh, he plays <laughs> Uncle Ben Parker on Spider in Spider Man 2017, and Danny Trejo had played a villain Ox on the Spectacular Spider Man back in 2008. Wow! So, so lots of people in this movie playing uh, playing different roles in Spider Man over the years. That's really funny. What a funny connection. You know, one of the things that I think separates this movie from a lot of movies that you and I might consider like stoner movies or movies that are just like you know going into that kind of humor where just like the craziest thing happened is that it's actually high level over 400 special effects used mostly 3d and cg effects that actually like took it to a level that felt like quality you know what i mean like a lot of times these types of movies like i don't know dude where's my car kind of thing they're just silly and like there's no like thought of actual like how is this structured and what does this look like it's just mostly like silly joke after silly joke but this was actually crafted yes so even compared to the other kumar movie harold kumar movies from what i read was like this was a more sensitive well-rounded version of these characters that's a mouthful mike a more sensitive well, where they consider things like family and friendship. You know, yeah. the first two movies, uh, the, my impression of, again, not having seen them, but just reading about this movie versus the first two was that it was much more like joke to joke without a strong narrative story. Whereas here, there is thought here. There is a script here. There is production value here. Um, so if this was, you know, it took them to their third movie to get it right to, to make a quality movie and not just a stoner movie, uh, I appreciate for purposes of this podcast that it was their Christmas movie. I'm so glad, too, that they've retained like that sense of like playfulness in this one. That, I think, also plays into the Christmassy feel because again going back to like bad santa i didn't feel the playfulness there 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 was a different there was, tone. There was maliciousness in bad yeah. santa. there was an anger there was like a like a yeah. drunken anger in which is bad just santa. so different this one is just like so much more silly in a interview neil patrick harris said that a very harold and kumar christmas is a family stoner pick and i uh. i agree with that i think that is a really good description of it there is a gentleness <laughs> to it um you know i have in my notes here this is a movie about the value of friendship and family dot 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 and drugs uh, <laughs> and, and, and for me and i think that kind of sums it all up so uh do you That's have any really do you have any more fast facts or do you want to get on to our jingle bell score I'm ready to jingle bell all right well while you think about that because i still need to come up with my number let's play yes. a clip of next week's movie and see if you know what it is okay well hello there uh, my name's Special Delivery Kluger, SD for short. Oh, I've got lots of letters for Santa today. And every year, they're the same. Some ask for toys, but a lot ask questions. Like you take this one. I bet one of you wrote it. Dear Santa, why do you wear a red suit? 
Uh-huh. I thought so. And this one. My turn. Dear Santa, why do you come down the chimney when I'm asleep? How about these? Why do you have whiskers? Why do you live at the North Pole? Why do you leave presents and Why do you always come on Why is your sleep? Why is some dear girl call you Chris Kingo? Why? 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 Now, hold on, hold on. I can answer all your questions because I know everything about Santa. Oh, my goodness. I love that baby. And he's like, why are you called Chris Kingle? <laughs> very funny. Very so cute. I don't know this one, but it sounds like super sweet. Like we're getting back to a true family classic. Uh, it is. And I didn't recognize it either, though it's a Rankin Bass movie. And I thought mm. I knew them all really well. This one is Santa Claus is coming to town from 1970. Oh, that's going to be great. I'm excited to do another just family friendly kind of easy sit back and just Put on, you know, the the movie and just kind of turn down the lights and let your kids kind of chill kind of movie. Fred Astaire and Mickey Rooney as the two leads? What? Oh, wow. <laughs> a Rankin-Bass Christmas movie starring Fred Astaire that I didn't know? I wow. it, Crazy. And by the way, it's bonkers. Oh, uh, I'm excited I, to I, watch I, this. I think there are some real reasons why this is not maybe as well known as some of the other Rankin-Bass movies. <laughs> well, I'm really looking forward to it. Really looking forward. Are you ready for some Jingle Bells? Because I want to hear how many you're giving this one. Uh, I am ready for Jingle Bells. I am ready for... This is tough though because as we're getting here i'm having to do some some make some tough decisions about what i like more than other things i'm writing my down on a piece of paper so i'm not influenced by your score oh man so you're gonna make me go first is that what you're saying that's exactly what i'm saying <laughs> i mean this is I, I almost feel bad even saying i'm giving it as high a score as i'm gonna about to give it oh i know it's kind of wild I think I've given this movie an eight and a half jingle bells. Wow. You're very close to what my score is. Let's hear why. Okay. So uh, I think for all the reasons I said, it's got Christmas music. It's got Christmas themes. It's hysterically funny. It's, it's funny in a way that I really appreciate it. It's the exact kind of humor that makes me laugh in the most unguarded kind of way. It's smart humor, but it's not like I have to sit there and think about it. You know, it's not it's not highbrow humor. It's just really funny humor to me. But there is a Christmas theme here. It, it has all of the elements of what I think I like in a Christmas movie. It needs to take place during Christmas time. It has a Christmas story to it. It's got Christmas music. So it's got the aesthetics. It's got the themes. And it's outrageously funny to me you know how they always do those 25 days of christmas movies uh freeform does it abc does it yeah this is the kind of movie that i would put on that rotation you know we're covering 52 movies and specials in this in this podcast this is one of those that i think i would if i was to sit down and make a list of 25 things about movies about christmas i would watch every year this would be one of them i think for sure. I agree with you. Okay, so I'm giving it 8.75 Jingle Bells, which Whoa. I wrote down so I would not be affected by your score. I feel like it has so many elements of Christmas. I mean, we have Santa, we have Jesus, we have Virgin Mary. We've got so many different parts to it that have been cleverly layered in in amongst all of these really silly, outrageous moments. And I think that it's all motivated by this need to have the perfect Christmas to do everything right. And we can all relate to that. So for me, I enjoy that they brought the joy back into Christmas and they actually just made it really funny and silly. This is something that I think like the bad Santas 
really just missed. I wish that they, if you took Bad Santa and reworked it, it could have been more like this movie and Mm -hmm. I would have loved it. But this one, I just feel like, yeah, they hit the nail on the head. It works. Yeah. I I compared this a lot in my head to Bad Santa. Me too. uh, Because I felt they were in the same ballpark that they were. It's like irreverent humor, right? Yeah. uh, Yes, exactly. Not non-traditional Christmas humor, not for kids, targeted towards adults, but in a way that wasn't malicious or mean spirited. It, it, It could have fun with Christmas and the tropes and still make you laugh and still also make you feel good about Christmas. Whereas I feel like, and both of them feature urine and poop. And And you know what though, Mike, it never belittled Christmas. It never made you feel like you were, you know, a a jerk for celebrating it, which, which is like bad Santa made me feel like, you know, boy, everyone standing in this line is a joke as opposed to having the moment where he's like, Santa's real. And I shot him. Like there's something to that. That feels like happy. Right. Silly. <laughs> even, I mean, even the idea of Kumar running, cutting the line of kids at the Christmas line to go sit on yes. Santa's lap to, so he can go buy weed from Santa still is I have to go to Santa to get the present that I want. Oh, my gosh. That's so funny. I didn't even look at it like that. You know, it's still I mean, yes, they make a boner joke, of course, because it's Harold and Kumar. <laughs> but it's still like uh, the Santa's got what I need, you know, yes. it, 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 you know. So I don't know. Everything about this movie, I found it so, so funny. I found it, even watching it now the second time, like I said, I had watched it the first time. I found it funny when I watched it the first time, but I didn't really sit and think about it because we weren't doing this podcast at the time when I watched it. I didn't even have the idea yet. Uh, Maybe this movie subconsciously inspired this podcast when I... Whoa. Maybe. Because it it wasn't too long afterwards that I really got hyped to do this. So I I found it outrageously and uproariously funny. I laughed the entire... (laughs) 90 minutes and by the way yeah it's only 90 minutes you get in and out of this movie really really quickly and that's i think important at the holiday season too because this is the type of thing that you know if you're a parent wrapping presents you know late at night turn this on you will get some belly laughs you'll think like oh my gosh maybe pour yourself a glass of wine or something and you can just like relax a little bit you know and feel like you bring in some of christmas that is actually just fun remember what it was like to just have fun all right, guys, thank you so much for joining us for week 15 of the 52 Weeks of Christmas podcast. Uh, we've been talking about a very Harold and Kumar Christmas. Next week for week 16, we're going to be talking Santa Claus is Coming to Town, which you can actually get on Peacock TV for free right now. If you have a subscription to Peacock TV, you can go watch it there. It's 51 minutes. Again, another you kind of get in and out. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the 52 Weeks of Christmas podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also download it at podclubhouse.com. Thank you so much for listening. This is Caroline. And this is Mike. Don't forget to leave us a rating or we'll serve you pancakes in hell. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you.